Today we have a very special guest. His name is Ben Bjornesson. I nailed it again. <gasps> Fuck. No, no, fuck <laughs> damn it. You said Bjornesson. Yeah, got it. It works out to be about one in three people are either going to be LGBTQ themselves or have a direct family member who is. So about 21 I came out and 22 I joined the police and I went back in the closet again because there wasn't a chance in hell I was ever going to be out. There's that fear or that hatred just because of that lack of education. Great Mutt Radio, coming through on your wireless. <laughs> Cans are on. Earmuffs. We're red. We are centered. And we're recording. You're away. <laughs> How's the volume for you, Benno? Perfect. Good. Might just get yep. that mic a little bit closer to your buddy John Mellon camp there. Yes, absolutely. All right, Fantastic. we're Fantastic. If you need to maneuver it at any time, just feel free to do so. And the exits Sweet. are down the hallway <laughs> and on either the, side. On either side. If you need any extra inflation. Blow into this. Blow into this whistle. <laughs> All right, Daniel. Yeah, sorry. That was part of the introduction because we are very stoked to be back in the Trademark Radio studio today for another cracker of a podcast. They're always crackers, aren't they? Well, when we start them off like that. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Ben Bjornesson. Have I nailed it again? <gasps> no, fuck. No, fuck <laughs> that. Damn it. You said Bjornesson. Yeah, got it. Bjornesson, not Bjornesson. He's yeah. not fucking Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> What is the ba- anyway, we'll get into that. Bjorn is actually my pretend coffee name that I give to the barista when they need a name. Anyway. Big Tex is funnier. Ben Bjarnason, a Queensland police officer for 14 years. General duties taking care of the valley. God, the big fella. Founder of LGBTQ Domestic Violence Awareness Foundation. I should have said the LGBTQ Domestic Violence Awareness Foundation. And this guy's had a very... Short bull riding career. Really? Very short <laughs> bull riding career, which we're going to get straight into. Ben, welcome to the studio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Sorry. <laughs> Might have been a drawn out intro, but we got there in the Fuck end. Mate, you just dribbled it out. It's like, <laughs> open the faucet, get it out. Anyway. Short no. bull riding career. Mm. So what's it like riding short bulls? <laughs> Should we restart? Jeez, that was, so that was pretty good. That was dad joking <laughs> yeah. all over the place. So, what is this bull? What is this bull yarn? Uh, well, when I was seventeen, I thought it'd be cool to go and ride bulls while I was jack rowing, and uh, had three rides, fractured my leg on the third one, and then my Ooh. boss gave me the ultimatum of you can either keep riding bulls or you can have your job. So I kept my job. Yeah, smart play, smart yeah. play. Yeah, I never. Um, I remember we we rode some bulls when I was working up in the territory, just in um, afternoons out of the. D-shoot there in the horse yards. They were good fun, but never got on one uh, at a rodeo. Uh, but, yeah, look back, I probably should have. The only story that Ed's ever told about this kind of stuff was at uh, the first speaking engagement that we ever went to um, at, uh, oh, God, Barkley. Tennant, Tennant Creek. Yeah, yep. for the but the beef producer's dinner, wasn't it? Barkley. Uh, what was that? Oh, yeah, it might have been young. No, no, no. It was the... It was the um, it was the... Oh, yeah, it might have been beef producer. Anyway, fuck It was the first it was. event we ever went to talk at. And I was not confident because I'm from Sydney and so we had this massive crowd of, you know, cowboys and cowgirls. And I'd been to Tennant Creek before and I had a story about Tennant Creek. Anyway, I tried to tell a story. He fucking didn't get anything out of it. I was like, fuck. He fell flat on his ass. <laughs> and uh, Literally like, in the in the story and in real life. And but anyway. No one laughed and I man, t- took the microphone and I just managed to pay out Ed for his shit joke. And that got that, the yeah, crowd laughing. That got the laugh. So, so I was like, oh, well, uh, that'll be my job in this business. But uh, no, Ben, Welcome. It's funny, the person who brought your name um, forward was actually Charlie Fisher, 
my old ag teacher. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Did like Chucky obviously was your was he your teacher when you were at Churchy? Yeah, he taught me ag science at there school. Go, yeah, me too. And in charge of army cadets. Yes, absolutely. So uh, he was in charge. Yeah, mm. Charlie Fisher, mate. He goes goes way back, and he's an old Churchy boy himself. Um, and then yeah, he's been teaching. Fuck, well, he was teaching ag for. Centuries, pretty much. <laughs> um, but no, um, big Charlie Fisher, he's a, a champion bloke, a great mate. And yeah, when he um, sent your details through, I was like, fuck, we've got to talk to this bloke and connect. So it's great to finally get you in for a yarn. Um, I mean, the other interesting part is that we've had a very similar journey through the starts of our lives. We both went to Toowoomba Prep for two years, Churchy for five years, then down to Marcus Oldham for a year. Yep. Which is, yes, a rare, a rare <laughs> combination for two blokes to have both gone through. Uh, you're from Dolby originally, you were saying? Yeah, so family's originally from Dolby and Toowoomba sort of area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And um, so, you know, you've, we, we spoke about in the in your very slow introduction of Dan onboarding into this <laughs> podcast that you're the founder of the LGBTQ Domestic Violence Awareness Foundation. Yep, Is that correct? That's right. Yes, I've got to set it correctly. So you're an openly gay man. Yep, certainly am. And you've had a very in, you've got a very interesting story and one that obviously we're going to go through today. But what I said in the pre-chat before we came on air was that you going through the same start in life that I did through those different institutions and surrounded by those similar people, I couldn't imagine what it was like for you as a young gay man growing up in those situations. Because me looking back... Fuck! It was it was a hard place for most people, let alone someone that was that was gay and going through that themselves and navigating life early in those uh, in those situations. So, what was it like for you at boarding school um, growing up? Uh, look, it was one of those things where I sort of had a bit of an inkling that I was gay then, uh, but there was no way in hell that I ever wanted to be out or even mention it to anyone. So, I up until I was probably twenty one, twenty two, kept dating girls, hoping that that sort of side of me would just go away. If I put it to the side or ignored it, that I could be straight um, and those sort of thoughts about guys or whatever would go away. Obviously, five years on or whatever it was, that didn't change no matter how much I tried. Uh, but, yeah, being in boarding school and also being in the ag industry and that sort of stuff as I was back then, it wasn't a friendly or really a safe place for anyone that's gay because you finished school you were saying 2001 right yep yeah so that, i mean fuck 20 years ago i mean we've come a long way <laughs> makes me feel old. cheers mate yeah cheers cheers <laughs> i mean we've come a long way in 20 years yeah um in this area but i mean back then how hard were you trying to hide that that part of your way how hard were you making sure that fucking no one knew was that something that you were actively like very strongly being like fuck i'm yeah totally um, it was never mentioned, it was never acted upon, it was no one was ever going to find out um, if I had my way. Uh, just that purely that fear of, you know, uh, what would happen if anyone did find out, how would they treat me, would they still be my friend, um, you know, would it disappoint the family, like I'd sort of grown up in a very Catholic and uh, ag sort of background family, so there's this sort of expectation that you'll get married, you'll have kids, you'll do this, and um, so... The thought of, you know, having to tell my family that's not going to happen um, at the time was pretty daunting and terrifying. So it was just one of those things where I thought, no, nah, just uh, 
pretend it's not a thing, carry on and hope for the best. And was it something that you were actively sort of trying to feel like play the role as a heterosexual male and like that group mentality and the locker room talk of being like, fuck, I'm just going to emulate everything, you know, what everyone else here is doing to make sure there's just absolutely no inkling that people are going to think I'm, you know, yeah, totally. not on the same team. Definitely. Like even when I first started in the police, I remember going out with my field training officer and I'd be telling him about the girls that I'd been out with on the weekend and that yeah. sort of stuff just to try and sort of cover for what I'd actually been doing and um, like going out with gay friends and things like that because I thought if they knew they'd treat me differently or they'd give me shit or something like that. So Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, how much do you like chicks? You'd be like, oh, fuck <laughs> you, mate. Oh, yeah. That's literally what it yeah, was like. Yeah, mate. But, oh. but that, must be, that must have been fucking mate, so it's, it's fucking difficult. Yeah. Right for you, but for you as a person, you must have just been. You must have been confusing yourself, right? Because you're just living a fucking huge lie. Yeah, I mean, I knew what was going on, but at the same time, it wasn't so much confusing. It was just exhausting having to keep up this facade, sort of facade, and this different. Do you reckon you life. weren't? You like you? Yeah, you just never had the opportunity to like fully express yourself, just to be your true, authentic self. No, definitely not. Like, and that, yeah, and I suppose that's the exhausting part, isn't it? Yeah. And in it, in it, yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, because especially when you look at schools and that sort of thing, it's so frowned upon, um, like well, still to this day, unfortunately, at the, a lot of schools. Yeah, the biggest fear is that, for, well, for anyone, the biggest fear is to be ostracised and alone. Yeah. Like, that's the op- That's the last thing that anyone wants. Everyone just wants to be accepted. Everyone just wants to find their clique, their mates, their group, their community. They mm. want to feel like camaraderie. They just want a sense of norm, like normality. I was going to yeah. say normalism. <laughs> that ain't a word. I love how you stopped and told us that's what you were going to say. Because no, I think that shit's funny. Yeah, it is funny. Um, no, yeah, th- but that's what everyone craves. Like, yeah. and all anyone wants to be is accepted and to, to have a support network. And if you break it down to that level, it really doesn't matter what anyone's differences are or what you've got going on because the problem's never as big as, as what it is to everyone else is what it, it is to you. Is You it? build it up inside yourself, yeah. Yeah, don't you? It's it. You, you, what do you call it? It fucking. It just materializes. Yeah, but it materializes inside of you, and you just like this is like so much bigger because those little yeah, like that that even the idea around stress that I was talking about the other day. Um, Luke May, there's a podcast actually coming out tonight uh, on our, our our station. Is that he has statistics in his book. It says like people that worry about stress, like eighty four percent of the things that people stress about actually never eventuate. Yeah, um, I reckon <laughs> only it was like three. I think he said three or four percent mm. actually statistically do ever eventuate to mm. the how horrific you think it is going to be. Do you reckon that culture has changed yet in like in boarding schools and stuff? Do you reckon it's the still gay there? thing? Uh, uh, yeah. I, oh fuck, I wouldn't know. I, 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 I maybe I, a little bit. I highly doubt it. Pack mentality, locker room mm. talk, how blokes <laughs> act together, mate. It is yeah. fucking horrendous. When I went to my nephew who's thirteen, I went to his footy game on the weekend, and apparently still there. Like the worst insult anyone could have is you know you're gay, you're a pansy, or you're because he'd broken his arm. And, uh, you know, was getting all this grief about, oh, you know, you're gay, you didn't even fall over that hard and that sort of thing. So it is still quite a negative connotation there. But at uh, the same yeah. time, there's there are some schools that are doing a little bit now. Um, like they can, if they're gay, they can take their um, male partner to the formal and that sort of thing. But that's still very few schools, whereas at the same time, like Churchy, where we went, uh, that's not happening. Yeah, so they put the bullet in that the year. I think it was two years before I graduated. I think it was. The hard part yeah. about that is that they, they, as you say, they put a bullet in that kind of behaviour because 
they people don't feel like they understand how to manage it. Like people don't think they can manage it correctly, right? Or people think, oh, there's too, too many problems. What if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah, or what's what that going to mean be, for this? But what could happen? Well, exactly yeah. right. But the exact. <laughs> so this is going to fucking go on. This is the point. So, and this is probably part of the problem with that issue and many, many, many other issues. It's like, well. We don't know how to deal with it, so we'll just pretend it's not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Still now. And it's yeah. like gay marriage when you look at that. What issues is that going to cause? I know, was at the Zero. best gay wedding on the weekend. Was Mate, awesome. Dan, Dan's been raving on about the gay um, hens party he went party. to. The double up hens party. Fuck, it sounded like a riot. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, no. it's But, um, you know, I feel, because um, I've been there. I've been, I've been that guy who's called... Use gay as in a negative oh, connotation. Absolutely, I oh, so have oh, I. Yeah, oh, like, fuck. Oh, and I wish I knew better at the time. You know what mm. I mean? I wish I knew better because there's so there always has been so distinctly such a negative connotation with being gay, mm. and it's like, oh, you know, that's fucking gay. Or <laughs> what are you gonna? You know what I mean? Even things that like. <laughs> Are not even remotely gay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, and that is, I mean, we laugh about it, but it's its really not funny because of the amount of trauma and grief that it's brought to so many people. I know, but I mean, the, such a long but the time. issue is that it's a part of the, it's just such a huge part of our society that it can, can, continues to happen. I think it's the self-awareness. It's like what I've been talking about recently in regards to just women. Like I've been talking, like just having honest conversations with like women in my life being like, fuck, I, like, I don't fully understand it, but fuck, you've got it tough. Mm. Like you've got it so tough, and women, it's the same. women have to deal with a lot. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. I'm, and I'm like, and I've just sort of become self aware <laughs> of that, yeah. right? And it's the same thing with the LGBTQ community. It's just like, fuck, it must be tough. Like it must just be so hard because there's just so many like ridiculous fucking things that people say in everyday life that's derogatory. Yeah. That you don't you don't realise the actual impact that's having. Yeah, totally. Especially when you look at like it works out to be about one in three people are either going to be LGBTQ themselves or have a direct family member who is. Um, so when you look at that, yeah. every time someone's saying that, there's someone in that workplace or in that area that's going to have a friend or family member who is LGBTQ themselves. So and that that the effect that, that can have on those people and about the feelings uh, you know, of negativity towards them or their family. Yeah, it's oh, absolutely, and I mean, it's just a, it's just us becoming more self-aware as a society and individuals to make sure that we're fucking stamping this shit out. It's the same thing with the locker room talk that we were talking about, like the fucking bachelor party stuff. It's just sort mm. of like let's just get a better, let's just be better and yeah. call shit out. Well, but the thing, yeah, I mean, and I've been a big advocate, as you know, in recent times of calling out behaviours, you know, when the opportunity presents itself. But like, there's one thing that's been happening that I was talking with a couple of girls actually at the wedding um, on the weekend is when a conversation comes up about, you know, LGBTQ and anything in that realm. And yeah, it's a comment that really grinds, like gets me. It's like people try to get in that conversation, but they're dismissive the way they do it. They're like, oh, the LGBT, blah, blah, the alphabet people. Yeah. What are you supposed to call them? You know what I mean? It's like, that's no fucking better. <laughs> like, that's no better. You're still yeah. like... That like dismissive approach to trying to get in the conversation is just as bad as fucking the rest of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about like so. Obviously, you know, you're you're talking about how much you were you're holding it back, not letting anyone know, talking to mates at work about women that you'd been seeing on the weekend and stuff like that. Yeah. What was the point? What was the turning point for you to say, "Fuck, I've got to address this and I've got to come out and be true to to myself"? What was what was that point? 
Um, I just got sick of having to lie all the time and remember what lie I'd told the different people about, you know. Because when you lie, you got to remember your lie. Yeah, and that was the worst part. That's the hardest like, bit, oh, isn't it? Yeah, I was with some girls on the weekend and, about, and then I'd think that I'd told that to someone else, but I hadn't. And then I'd sort of, yeah, sort of just got tangled in this sort of web of lies about how straight I was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just, yeah, it got to a point where I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm just, it was killing me, like having to keep those lies up. Just and that just that fear of what if someone found out and what would they do, how they treat me, that sort of thing. So it just got to the point where I'm like, enough's enough. I'm just going to have to suck it up and deal with whatever the outcome's going to be. Thankfully for me, it was pretty good. Uh, did lose a few friends, um, but I'd just say straight up gone. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, well, pretty much cool. gone. Mainly long term, long term friends. Oh, at least a few years. Mainly guys, because I lived out in Gundawindi for a fair while as well. Yeah. Um, with family out there. Mainly just country guys out there that just couldn't grasp the concept of uh, anyone being gay or and thought immediately as soon as someone said they were gay that they were somehow going to be attracted what? to them. Yeah, it's like, what, oh, did, what, what are you going to fuck me now? What's his name? Rob Catter. Rob Catter. What did he come out like, like two years ago and said there's not a single gay person in his electorate? Yeah, and he's got the fucking biggest electorate in the state, and yeah. it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> There's no yep. gay people in my electorate. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, that's fucking hectic. That's hectic, though. Look, I mean, I'm sure we can laugh about it, but it's like, man, you know, that's a shitty thing to think that there's people who will just like cut people off. Yeah. But I think they're people. They're people that aren't self-aware enough to under to have that ability to understand. And have the compassion mm. and the un- and like the empathy for someone else, and be like, "Fuck, you know, okay, that's man, fuck, yeah." I'm, he- I'm like, I'm, I'm a mate. I want to support you. That's that's awesome. Yeah. It's not my jam, but fuck, if that's you know, I'm here for you. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those things where they sort of, especially growing up in um, school or country areas and that sort of thing, you're taught so much of how bad it is to be gay or whatever. Especially in Catholic, like you literally. know, yeah. Yeah. Is that the is that the Catholic thing? Is it? I'm not pretty. Well, Catholic, Catholic or thing. Anglican? Yeah, I mean, pretty much both the same. Oh, oh Christianity in, in general. Schools, yeah, right. Christianity in general. Yeah, but the, the Christianity the Christianity side of things, it's sort of like, for for fuck what I've understood, it's like, come on, you it, went to churchy. Yeah, but it wasn't. <laughs> but it wasn't like fucking anti anti. It was sort yeah. of like, you know what I mean? A, it sounds like the Catholic thing is a little bit more it's hardcore. Like a Bible though. thing, right? It's in the it's in the Bible. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I don't think any of us are reading off the, no, the but, term sheets here, being like, oh, "That's where it's but, written." But they're all, yeah. I mean, they're all just branches of the of the one original. Yeah, original yeah but what I'm saying so. is, is that what is that? Yeah, well, it's actually interesting to see um, this whole Israel Folau thing coming back up in the media and the Clive Palmer. Did you see the Batuta advocate? Nah, I missed thing it. about Clive Palmer is in <laughs> no. a big empty swimming pool on his own and he can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was having this. Co- I was having this conversation with my wife. We went out to Jandowie on the weekend, watched my um, la- my wife's little cousins play footy. The Jandowie Yowies. Uh, what were they? Fucking, I can't <laughs> remember. Should be anyway. there, no, yeah, no. Jandowie Yowies. That's a dancer on the phone. I was like, yeah, that is funny. I'll bring that forward. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I was asking Lance because my my wife's a Christian. I said, what do you make of this Israel Folau thing, right? Because mm. like I like. Pulling everything away, I was like, right, he's entitled to his opinion. By all means, right? I'm like, he's entitled to his opinion. He doesn't need to force it on anyone else, but he can say whatever, fuck, you know what I mean? He can yeah. say whatever he wants. But what my my question was, because when he came out with that Clive Palmer thing the other day, I watched it and I was like, fuck, this is like, this is like desperate and fucking shit house now. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, this is really, really poor. And I asked Lance, I was like, you as a Christian, I was like, are you, like, where are you on this conversation? I was like, are you fucking, like, staunch? Like, this is fucking how it is? Like, if it's written down somewhere, is that 
you and that it? And she was like, no, I'm not like that. Mm. There's like the Old Testament, right? And then there's like the New Testament. And it's sort of the way people read into things but take things so literally, right? Because we're in a progressive society. This happened like this was written, you know, supposedly 2,000 fucking years ago, mm. right? So it's like we've come a long way since then. It's like even in the Old Testament, it says you can't get tattoos. And like Israel Flair's covered in fucking tattoos. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's yeah. like, mate, what are you fucking talking about? Interpretation. It's like metaphor and parable. And it's not yeah, but I mean, I'm not trying to go down like a religious no, side of things know, here. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is, is that fucking, like, there's... The, the conversation needs to be more open. People can have their views, but they don't need to force it on anyone else. Totally. Right? Yeah. So, I, like, if you're a Christian person, you should just be you should be fine and happy to have that view, but then also talk openly with a homosexual person and not have any worries about it. Because who gives a fuck what anyone else is doing? Just be yourself. That's it. Am I barking up the wrong tree? No, I'm just you're not. But I tend to think, like, you know, if you're not human enough to understand... You know humanity and you know the different things and effects that you know different things you say has on people and has had for a long time. Well, that to me is a bigger issue, you know, mm. and that, like that's the main thing. Like we have to grow. Like surely we're growing. We're seeing the com- so the conversations that I've been having with some of the some of the girls, like from the wedding on the weekends. Like, mate, the the, the stuff that they have been through their entire lives, and like not just sexual identity but gender identity and this and the, and the impact that that has on your you know on your frame of mind constantly your entire life it must be a heavy you would not wish, heavy thing you would not wish you would lot. not wish it on anyone you would not wish it on anyone and if it was your son or your daughter or a family member of yours there is no way that you would ever want anyone to feel like that and i think it's getting to that level of understanding where it's like that point no matter what the differences are you know what i mean People don't choose to make themselves a minority. Yeah, I know. You, 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 you talk about that a lot. It's a good way of saying pe- it too. People would not choose willingly to put themselves in a segment of society yeah. where they had ostracised ostracised and looked down upon. Could you imagine what that yeah. feels yeah, like? I'll sign up to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where, where's the onboarding docs? Yeah, and I think that's for me where the, where the crux of it, where the buck stops. It's like, mm. yeah, if you can kind of understand that. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah. so, and, and like, what, what about like, you know, with your family, how was that? That conversation, like, was it was it something that was like fucking blew them back, or they're like, mate, we've known for ages. Why didn't you just fucking come and tell us? Or because no, you hear that a fair bit too. Yeah, none of them knew. Um, I told one sister first, my older sister's first, and she's like, "Oh, really? Yeah, righto. No worries." She's like, "Let's go into town, and we'll go and tell let's go to the gay bar." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "Fuck I don't yeah. get, I don't, She's going, "I don't no, get fucking hit on there." It's there's great. no gay bars in Gundawindi. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, so, not the royal. There may be not the railway. <laughs> So I we went to town and saw my other sister. She's sitting there ironing and uh, I was shit scared and I didn't want to tell her. So my older sister said, Ben's got something to tell you, but he's too scared to tell you, so I'm going to tell you, but he's gay. And she's like, yeah, right, whatever. Just kept ironing. So that was a non-issue for my sisters. And uh, <laughs> so that was a bonus. And then we drove to, mum was living in Brizzy, so me and my younger sister drove to Brizzy to tell her and she was fine. bit sort of startled, but that was mainly because of I think her fear of the way she'd seen gay people treated over the years and she didn't want that to happen to me, so that was yep. what she was mainly upset about. But aside from that, um, she was fine. So, But I'm, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones, though. It's not such a great story for all people. You hear people getting booted out of home or ostracised from their fa- own families or disowned from their families. So unfortunately that's still pretty common. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was lucky. And how do we change that? Ooh, that's a tough one. one conversation at a time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But how, how, do, how do we like? I mean, obviously, we're progressing a long way in this area, right? As a society, like we've got to, you we've got to say we've moved. We're moving in the right direction. I'll tell you how to change it. Go to a gay bar. Go and go, like go, immerse yourself. Go, like go, <laughs> go down to the Wickham. Go down to the Wickham. Go anywhere. Go and have a beer. Go. I don't think we've been. Well, have I been to the Wickham? I've been to the Wickham a thousand times. Yeah, no, mate, I, I don't get, think I've been. Get, get get down there, and meet people. Okay. Yeah, it's going to the Wickham. Yeah, mate. Fuck, it's like it's just like every other bar. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's just a couple more drag queens every now and then. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it just comes down to education awareness. Yeah. Um, is a huge thing. Like so many other issues, if people just opened their eyes and actually saw what was going on and realized that it's not this be all and end all. Yeah, it's, like, it's just you know. Exactly yeah. the same person as you were before. You just happen to like someone else. The hilarious thing is, like, I look at um, you know, the gay marriage conversations and all this sort of stuff, and mm. before it happens, everyone, you know, you've got your two camps, whatever they are. Like, rah, 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 rah. and after it's done, it's like <laughs> no one even gives a fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, no, like, no one, no yeah. one. And it's yeah, and so that's kind of proof in the pudding right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, we're heading it. We're definitely heading in the right direction. There's, there's no doubt about that. I highly recommend going to the beat one night and going to the Wickham. Go where? Yeah, the beat. I never made it into the beat. I don't know. Oh, well, he never really went out in the valley all that much. Mate, the beat, the beat mega club <laughs> fucking goes off. <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking five levels or something. Mate, find it? yourself on the rooftop up there, and you'll be having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, like yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, there's these preconceived ideas, and then yeah, like straight guys who are like. Ooh, you know, fuck, better not drop my keys. What if I get fucked? Oh, you know what I mean? So that's, like, not. that's not. <laughs> like I remember when I first started um, back working years ago, and I'm one of the old uh, one of the old guys. He'd probably be like 150 kilos and about five foot tall, and he's like, "Oh, you know, Ben's Ben's gay. Haven't you heard Ben's gay? Well, I'll have to keep my eye on him." And um, I'm gonna the, fuck you, man. <laughs> and one of the old um, women there, she said to him, "You got to be kidding yourself." You're 50, you're fat, and you're about two foot tall as if he's going to want to look at you. And, I mean, that's the that's the thing is, like, most people that say stupid shit like that are actually, like, yeah, it's not a thing. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and because you were, um, yeah, so you went to Marcus, then you got into the police force. Yep. Um, and you've been a couple of 14 years, is that what? Yeah, 14 years. 14 years Fuck, that's year. a long time. And you've been in the valley, right? Yeah, valley for about nine. We were just talking off air about how disgusting the valley is. Foul, foul area. Why ha- did you choose the valley as your area to be, or do you ha- not get a choice? No, in I had posted? a choice. So I did uh, Ipswich first, then Tara, which is out between Dolby and Mandara. Uh, then I went out to Roma for three years, and I wanted to have a bit of a change. And the biggest change from Roma to the opposite, the valley, and I thought this will be cool. Yeah, cool. It's definitely if you like ac- if you like action, you're going to get action there, like. Yeah, the valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. But I was just saying, I was walking through there on Saturday night, and I haven't been in the valley in ages. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not the place that I want to be. Uh, but yeah, walking through that Jeez, mall, you'd see some I saw there were two. I saw two fights. Um, just walking through, like you know, and they're so drunk they can't even connect their punches or whatever. But they're trying, and everyone's around. <laughs> Phones are out. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> hold me back. But yeah, I was. I was watching the. I was watching the cops. You know. Like moving pretty fast because they've got a few blocks to cover, you know, all yeah. on foot. So everyone's moving pretty swiftly when they got to get somewhere. But yeah, you really and you were telling us about the injuries that you've had a few injuries, <laughs> just a few, <laughs> just a few injuries recently. A shoulder injury that's put you from a, from you know wrestling from a, a little wrestle. Mm. 
Um, so fucking get him ground and pound, fucking Conor <laughs> McGregor. Get that into your dog. <laughs> so you must see a bit. Yeah, yeah, but it's pretty full on. Mm-hmm. Um, during the week, it's pretty good. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you've got 40,000 people going into a small area, and out of that you've got sort of 10 to 20 getting arrested. So overall, it's pretty good. Is that the stats is about 10 to 20 a that's night? A, that's or? a very... That's a very broad guesstimate, but yeah, it's around about that. Yeah, I've, been, I've been one of those stats, mate. Have you been arrested in the valley? Uh, no, when I broke into Suncorp that night. Oh, well. Don't even want to know. <laughs> no, no, I got arrested. Don't worry, I've done my time. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did hard time, man. Um, so how come you decided to join the police force? Uh, something I was interested in from like schools. So I did mm. work experience out at Gundy Police Station when I was 17. Uh, but it was one of those things, mum's like, nah, you're not doing it. She's like, too dangerous. You'll be out of the will. Which she still tells me this day. She's like, that was a joke. I didn't actually mean it. But You're um, out of the will. What <laughs> a fucking weird thing to say. Oh, I'm not giving you any of my money when I'm dead. Fuck you. <laughs> What's the, being a copper got to do with that? Because it was unsafe, so she didn't want me to do it. Oh, that was right. her only... That, I think right, that was her right, only right. Uh, way of trying to stop <laughs> her, her, only her only joker card. Yeah, she played it. That's all I got. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. It's something different happening every day. So I studied agribusiness and then went to... Uh, sort of agri business for about 12 months after and it was just not for me uh, so I thought bugger it I'll give it a shot that's good that you can um, good that you've realised that wasn't for you you know what I mean after going and studying at Marcus which I mean I know from your story it, it wasn't cost, for me either it costs money <laughs> it costs money but like you don't um, actually yeah with both of you following the same journey you also got to the same point in that bit too, about finding it that agri wasn't for you, but there's heaps of farmers and rural, you know, I still like, who, I, who I, just I, do I, it, and they like they might hate it, but they feel like they have to do it. Yeah, yeah we've we've spoken about that in a podcast before. Yeah. I think I still like I still like ag, and I still like the rural sector. Yeah, you just but didn't want to do it. I'm just like I'm not fucking going and yeah, doing same. this. I I'm think like, that's a massive. I'm not fetish. working in a bank because I remember I was like at <laughs> the end of my first year at Marcus, and I was like, well, I got nothing to go home to. I was like, what are my options here? Because I'd been kicked out of college for a term as well. It was a fucking nightmare. Anyway, I got a good grade and I said to the teacher, I was like, well, what, what's my plan here? Like, what can I, what, what, where do I go? For, what, where do I go from here? And they're like, well, you can either come back and do second year agri and then go work in a bank or do like agri finance or something like that. And I'm like looking at them, I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not certainly not working in a bank and I'm not getting into finance. I was like, neither of those things fucking. Yeah, or up my alley. So then I was just like, no, I'll just go back into the territory and just see what happens. And then, yeah, ended up being here. But that's a massive. I think my probably the point being is that, like, the fact that you can break the mould and go through all that, study, and then get into the industry and then actually have the courage to be like, actually, I don't want to do this and make a decision. But I think you. that happens not just in that, that sector. I think that happens fucking through people doing university. Mm. And, like, people like, oh, I've got to go, degree and oh, then, I've got to go yeah, do yeah. four years of fucking this. And you become out in your events manager and you're like, Fucking, this is shit. Anyone need any events I can <laughs> yeah, manage? Yeah, this is shit. <laughs> yeah. Or people go and do, you know, dietetics, and then they come out and they're like, this is fucking shit. I hate this. Well, we're in, oh, I can't remember what the exact number is, but now people on average change careers in their lifetime so many times. Yeah, I've, I've changed careers plenty of times. I'm just going to get those beers out of the freezer to keep talking because no they'll worries. freeze otherwise. We'll just wait here <laughs> but you, and explode. Make sure you don't help with any of those boxes out there. Uh, but yeah, you don't. You really don't see that much. I don't think anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like people, so many, so many people get stuck down the track that they're going down. 
Yeah, I've always been of the opinion that you know you've got to love what you're doing. You're there so much, mm. you've really got to enjoy what you're doing. So you did always have an inkling to join the police force yep. since you did it in work experience. Yeah, but I mean, I was keen for it before that, but it was just one of those things where yeah, like, oh, no, but not. Uh, where yeah. did you Where did you train out here at Oxley? Yep. Yeah, righto. How was that? So Good. were you were you op- were you openly gay? No, you weren't openly gay at that time. Yet, well, were you? yeah. So. I worked in so I left school, got into hospitality. I worked at like a regatta hotel yep, and yep, a few yep. pubs out in Gundy for a while. <laughs> Which pub? Gundy. Yeah. Um, QA and the Royal. No, QA and the Railway. Yeah, great pubs. Yeah. The Railway always go there for a drink before the races. Yeah, great stuff. It's good. Mate, I don't think I'll ever go back to the Gundy races. <laughs> well, you had too good a time. That's why you're like, fuck. I'll just end it on this. this is perfect. <laughs> but uh, so I was out when I was in hospital. So it sort of came out when I was, Tough. I don't know. 18 to my best mates, but that was really about it. My family didn't know. Um, went to Marcus, was in the closet there, got out of Marcus. So about 21 I came out and then 22 I joined the police and I went back in the closet again because there wasn't a chance in hell I was ever going to be out. You ki- Fuck, in okay. The, in the so you came, you came out to some mates and went back in again and then fucking came out and then went back in again. So like, Yeah, well, so my mates knew... But then there's no one at the academy knew. As so, in, yeah, you were so going into new environments and you were like, fucking. So you were basically selective about who you told. Yeah. So totally. it wasn't a secret anymore. You were just selective about what new people in your life. Yeah. So when I went to the academy, there was three people that knew. So my three best mates at the academy knew. And that probably took me six months to tell them. Like I had to suss them out first and work out whether they'd be accepting or not. Yeah. Just sort of wait for some cues to see what, what they were like. And it wasn't until... Uh, one of my best mates at the time, he was um, ex-military police, like the toughest bastard you've ever met in your life. And I'm like, oh, not telling him. And anyway, one day I was asking for date ideas. I'm like, oh, you know, I've got to take someone out on a date. And he's like, oh, um, you know, she might like here. And then he's looked at me, he's like, or is it he might like here? And I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, it actually is. And like just that sort of um, bit of a prompt was like, yep, yeah, righto, you're cool. I'll tell you. So that was... How it came out to him, but um, <laughs> really that was it. There was just the three of them um, for the next 18 months were the only three people in the police that knew. And, yeah, it wasn't until I went to Tara and uh, was working there. One day the boss has called us in. He's like, uh, so we've got some intelligence from um, the intelligence section basically saying that there's been some threats made against a gay officer here. That could be you, that could be me, we don't know who it is, but uh, there's apparently threats that this officer is going to get bashed when they're off duty um, by these local crims. And so he's like, yeah, we don't know who it is. And I'm like, yeah, it's me. So that was how I had to come out in the police. Okay, yeah, righto. <laughs> so that must have been a bit awkward, but also... It's probably empowering being like, yeah, it's fucking me. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's No, me. it's terrifying. I was in a bloody country town, like the... Yeah, population of Tara was like two hundred and fifty people in the town. So, like the local, when you talk about the local crims, like it just reminds, it like makes me think of like a cartoon where there's just like this just like narrative where there's just a group of fucking dickhead people and always criminals, and there's like four coppers just chase them around town. Like, is it literally just a group of like ten people in a town? We're like, you're the fucking criminals, and we're just basically dealing with you pricks day in day out. Yeah, look, a lot of the people there was repeat customers, um, but <laughs> it must just be like, it must be sort of half funny when you come out at the end of the day and you're like, yeah, fuck arrested old mate again, like he's gone, you know, they're just on this vicious continual cycle and they just don't break the mould and then their kids come through and they're doing the same thing. Oh, it must be like, I'm interested to know cry. where the intelligence came from. 
Like in st- um, also in Tara, like is there is there an intelligence like division? No, of the no. So they were from the intelligence was from Toowoomba, but yeah, right um, right. it was basically a conversation between these two um, rat bags was overheard, and then that person who's overheard them talking about this plot to bash me off duty um, has then reported it to intelligence. Oh, like phone taps? No, no, no. Just in a, like in a waiting room. So they just like, gee whiz, conspiracy. Um, great. <laughs> Let's dig a little deeper. No, not that exciting. So what, is, so what does that do for you? Because like, does that does that worry you? Like, do you start having to watch over your shoulder yeah, when was, you are off duty? Like, that crap. must be pretty traumatic. Yeah. Well, the thing with a small country town is everyone knows what you drive, when you're working, where you live. Oh, um, that's like, yeah. So like, it's a bloody small town. There's only a few streets. Um, so that made things quite tough. So I. Uh, couldn't go to the pub anymore. So it was basically it was only two weeks between finding out and me transferring. So in that two weeks, I went one week to schoolies on the Gold Coast, having me around that time. So they said, go there, and that gets you out of town for a week. The other week, I packed up. But during that time, I basically was either at work or at home. I wasn't out in the streets. I wouldn't go to the pub and that sort of thing and just sort of had to look after myself that way. That's what I mean. Like, can you imagine not being able to go to the pub? Like, that's fucking... Yeah, well, that's the only thing to do in Tara. That's the, literally the only, th- the only thing to do. And you, but, you literally, oh, yeah, yeah, literally can't even go to the pub. That's fucked. Mm. That's ridiculous. Yeah, righto. Small country towns. It must be hard for police in small country towns in general, let alone a, a, a gay police officer. Like, yeah, well, you don't. There's no anonymity at all. Everyone no. knows all of your business, and everyone, as you say, everyone knows where you live. Everyone knows what you drive. Yeah. Well, that's what we were talking with a mate of ours up in Moorumbah the other day. Mm-hmm. She was saying, you know, all the Cars are numbered, like the work cars. And yeah. she's like, I specifically said not to put a fucking number on my car so, like, people can't tell that this is, like, a work car per se because she's like, if I have to sanction someone or sack someone or whatever like that, they're going to fucking know exactly where I live in town because my car's parked outside. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. She's like, it's so fucking scary. It's dangerous. Mm. Um, yeah, that they are the downsides of, of those smaller communities and especially when there's fucking unrest about fucking something like that. That I mean, God, you, you couldn't imagine how hard it must be for you, and so isolating, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Like especially like when I went to Roma, obviously everyone knew that I was gay then, because I had to obviously out myself in Tara. So by the time I got to Roma, everyone knew my story and why I was going there and all that sort of stuff. And then, uh, so that was there was no sort of gay people visible at all, really in Tara in Roma. Sorry. But how, yeah, but how are you feeling through all this? Like, right? It's not sh- you're not feeling shame. You're not feeling. Uh, shame. You're feeling. Are you just feeling? Like, what's the feeling? It, oh, I don't know. I just remember it was bloody horrible because all of a sudden I had to upend my life after only being in Tara for sort of six months and then moved to a completely new place, all because of my sexuality. And do you think um, people? And, and do you think people? Start, yeah. Do you think people had a preconceived idea of who you were as a person just because of that? They were like, oh, you know what I mean? Like they were judging. They were judging you as a, as a, as who you were as a person by that. Well, it's just one of those things without that sort of education. You've got these people that are fearful of gay people to the point or there's that fear or that hatred just because of that lack of education about... But what's Yeah, but what is the hatred, though? Like, is the hatred being like they've got no fucking idea? I honestly don't know. Yeah, that's so weird. Like, it's, like but I Yeah, it's one of those things like what... Well, like, what would, what would make someone hate someone so much because of who they love that it makes them want to... Act out physical violence. Yeah, no, I, like, think, I think it must just be literally just the history. Like it's just been 
built into so many kind of kind of cultures or conversations or religions for such a long time. There's always been such a negative connotation towards mm. it that that's just become that's kind of been become indoctrinated into people's psyches, right? Yeah. And so it's just with the process that we're in now is the well, and for the past. Well, for you know, for, for a few decades now, like obviously the the you know the gay rights movement has just continued to gain progression, Pro- yeah, in the right direction, in yeah. the, in the right direction over time. It's just a fucking slow, yeah, it's a slow, it's just burn. a slow like transition, and and like anything, it's a generational switch. And it just takes. We're like still a decade. going through it with racism. Fuck me, dead. Like, yeah, yeah but yeah. Ra- but racism, you know, things like you know, um, you know, climate change, or you know, action, <laughs> oh, action on the climate. We're not going into any, climate change on this podcast, any, please. Like, and then, but any of these conversations, anything like it takes, you know, any anything where as a society we're trying to be better, like we're trying to be generally morally better. Where there's a cha- just, there's a moral change, yeah, yeah, a progressive it, it just, change. It just takes that time. It just takes those decades. Like it just doesn't happen overnight. And you got to wait for the dinosaurs to die off too. Yeah, like that's the that's boomers are heading in the right direction. I <laughs> know, <laughs> fucking housing prices here we come. Yeah, well they've got it all wrapped up, don't they? Negative gearing bastards. Um, so you went from Roma, so you then spent some time in Roma. Yeah, so three years in Roma. Did you? Um, we, we love Roma. Did you? Hopefully, you love Roma <laughs> as well. Hope you had a good experience. We had some, good. I never do it again. We, we had some. Good. We had some good experiences out in Roma. We had <laughs> yeah, the guys from Roma and Warren Steele who got us to sign. Oh, that's right. They got us to sign our shirts. Fucking hell, that was funny. Yeah, funny. Legends, legends. But um, three years out in Roma. <laughs> yep, three years there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Accepted. Wouldn't do it again. Wouldn't do it again. Uh, yeah. What was the end like? Because obviously, when you moved in there, there was this big thing. Right, and then at the end, was it sort of like, oh, I've actually progressed here? Yeah, no, it was pretty good. Like in the beginning, there was people a bit standoffish, but by the end of it, they're like, oh, you're just like any other bloke who like who gives a shit. Oh fuck, thanks, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so no, it was good. Like by the end of it, so I started up a uh, LGBTI support group out there with um, some councillors from uh, ATODS, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Other Drug Services. Um, How was that? How was that getting people together in a country town like that? Was it was that actually a- quite good. Like the local newspaper got on board and they were putting us on the front page. And Yeah, but was it hard getting people things. together? Was it uh, hard bringing people together? No, once, uh, it's one of those if you build it, they'll come sort of things um, where we sort of started this group and next minute we had all these people accessing these sort of mental health support services. Oh, that's great. Things because previously they'd been too scared to access them. Yeah. Um, but once they saw that, you know, we're there and they're inclusive and yeah. that, there was people that were going to look after them and they actually started coming out of the woodwork. Because Shana, Shana Wan from um, Sober in the Country on her Australian know story. Shana. You know Shana, yeah. So, um, <laughs> She's from going to Indy. Yeah, so we've been trying to get her in here for ages, but we've just missed each other about three or four times. But um, we will get her in. But uh, on her Australian story, it talks about how she, when she accepted that she was an alcoholic and she wanted to start like a, an AA-type mm. situation in a country town, she went and did it. And then no one's rocking up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she went and did it again. Like, no one's rocking up. And she's like, yeah, because people were feeling like they couldn't walk in in the country town because they didn't want anyone to know that yeah. they were a part of this, you know? So um, it's, it's awesome to hear that there was pickup for that, for you in Roma, mm-hmm. uh, a, a group like that, because um, like people won't even go and see a psychologist in a fucking country town because they don't want people to know they're going and see, you know what I mean? No, I mean, that, and that stuff's still happening now too. Um, like I was only out in Roma a few weeks ago. And there was people talking about accessing doctors and mental health services there and accessing their services based around their sexuality or gender identity and not wanting to go and talk to them because of that fear that 
A, they'll be judged by the doctor or B, the doctor's secretary or the reception people or whoever will tell their family who live next door to them, who know their mum, because everyone just knows everyone out there. It's such a small community. Uh, once There's that fear of once you tell one person, the whole yeah. town's going to know. So yeah. that's they just don't access it. And that is probably why it's so common for um, marginalised members of society to move out of country towns yeah, to totally. large cities and find their click. Because, again, back to where we started, everyone wants their community and their mm. camaraderie. Right? But like I was saying to, to Ben before when you're upstairs, was it in that book I was reading, um, the Sex and Boys one, they talk about um, homosexual men in small country towns in America and just how fucked it is for them because, well, there might only be two or three other gay people in that entire county and they're not attracted to any one of them. So they've got to move away because there's no like there's no one for them there. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there's no group of – it's like yeah, you don't you think see, about that sort of shit. Yeah, no, you see a lot of people moving away and going to that sort of larger metropolitan areas like Brizzy, Sydney, whatever, um, just purely because, A, it's safer for them because look, look what happened to Antara. Um, it generally can't – it might not be safe for them to be there, to be out and open or um, – you know they can't get access to proper services that will support them and things, so they move to come, uh, to move to cities where yeah. they'll find their community, they'll have the right support, and they feel a bit safer. I don't think there's any other marginalised segments of society that would have to deal with that. Really, I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head apart from people who you know are struggling with gender or sexual identity. Mm. Like, I don't really think there's no. Well, I you know don't. I mean? Yeah, I'm not, it, a, yeah. not off the top of my head, but what? What I do want to talk about is the the like you know what created or so what pushed you to start the domestic like LGBTQ domestic violence awareness foundation and your story in that space and how that came about because again we're talking off air about it and I mean it's a very complex story in its in its own right and I mean um, yeah love to hear that story and how you know how this foundation came to be yeah yeah so I guess. Uh I was in a relationship going back probably six years ago now. Um, it was great to start off and uh, probably only about three months later, uh, things started to happen on, that weren't quite right, but I sort of thought, you know, it's just... Uh, and what are those sorts of things like? Uh, sorry, I guess the first the first thing that ever happened um, that I can recall was we went out uh, drinking one night out in the valley Went to McDonald's on the way home and standard. standard. <laughs> and there was a guy online that was speaking Danish. And my family's all Danish. So I started having it like, a, I don't know, about 10 words of Danish. I said my 10 words of Danish to him in line, um, just saying good day. Anyway, next minute we uh, left, got the cab home. And as we got home, he just absolutely went off his rocker. And it was all, you know, what were you saying to him? Um, just getting jealous, basically thinking that I was hitting on this guy. And I'm like, he was straight for starters and B, he's Danish. So I was just having a chat to him. But that escalated the point where he's like pushed me over on the floor and that sort of thing. So that was the first sort of time I thought, mm, you know, this isn't quite right. But the next day we woke up, he's like, oh, you know, I was sorry. I was drunk. I was emotional. I was scared of losing you, all this sort of stuff, and making these excuses as to why he did what he did. Um, anyway, so over the next two years there was – all sorts of incidents that went from, you know, emotional abuse, um, monitoring of text messages, m like mapping, that sort of thing, trying to tell me who I couldn't couldn't be friends with, um, you know, abuse in front of family, friends, work colleagues. Oh, really? That f yeah. Yeah, fuck. Um, it was always that sort of stuff in front of friends and family. It was only always pretty verbal. Um, 
or things like like he rocked up to we had a work party one day and he rocked up to that and said oh I was just getting pizza next door and thought I'd call in and I'm like we're 20 minutes away from home I don't know why he'd come to the place next door for pizza but I just accepted that I to this day now I'm like I don't know why but I think I'd been that sort of manipulated that it just seemed normal, normal. Or I wouldn't yeah. want to question it because if I did question it it would end up with drama which I didn't want so um, I guess two years on um, all sorts of horrible shit took place and I finally got onto this website and there was a this relationship checklist on there which basically said, you know, if you're experiencing this, this and this and this, uh, you're in an abusive relationship and this is where you can get support. And it wasn't until I ticked those all these boxes in this checklist I thought, holy shit, I'm in an abusive relationship. And uh, so, yeah, then once I'd actually realised, I went about getting out of it. But it was one of those things where being gay, I hadn't recognised it because when you look at the... Um, you know, DV generally, like through the media or um, support services, it's always a guy perpetrating violence against a woman. So because of that, I didn't recognise it could affect me, for starters, or that I could be a victim of it or what the sort of behaviours would be. So it wasn't until I actually saw it in front of me on this checklist, I was like, holy shit, and uh, got out of it. And then uh, for sort of, I don't know, 12 months after that, I put up with it where it contacted me still and, Found out somehow. Found out where I was living, uh, where I'd moved to, and rocked up there on the doorstep. Fell asleep on the front step, and I went out to go to work one morning. He's like asleep there on the doorstep, that sort of thing. Um, anyway, so then I went and got a DV order, and then thankfully that worked, and never heard from him again. But I guess uh, I've gone on a really big loop there know. as to <laughs> as to where why the foundations come about is really just because uh, so many LGBTQ people were saying, you know aren't recognising that they can either A, be a victim or B, be a perpetrator. Mm. Um, or for that matter, um, you know, friends and families aren't recognising that their loved ones can oh. be affected by it as well. So I sort of look back and think, you know, if there's more awareness of the issue, A, would I have recognised it earlier and got out earlier? Or B, would my family, friends or work colleagues have recognised it earlier and said, hey, this sort of stuff that he's doing to you is domestic violence and you need to... Do you think? Do you think it? that you were? You think you sort of half knew, but it was like I mean, because you know, looking at it, like you're a copper, right? And you're the one that's fucking going in and saving people from domestic violence. Mm. So were you some? Like, were you like fuck? I can't really. Like, I got to work this shit out because like I can't be a fucking getting um, on the receiving end of this shit when like I'm supposed to be when preventing. I'm the police. Yeah, I'm supposed <laughs> to be yeah. preventing this shit. Like yeah. that would have been hard. Was it for you to go and talk to your colleagues and be like? Fuck, I'm I'm actually in a pretty bad spot. Well, here. I didn't talk to them, so like, I was well, those, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 my whole point. So like, like for starters, there was like I guess the shame of being a guy and being exactly, affected yeah. by it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to talk to anyone about it because you know they're going to say you know you're weak, man up, you know suck it up. You're a big guy, you can look after yourself. It's not domestic violence. So it was sort of that fear that if I did actually tell anyone that they'd ridicule me about it or um, that sort of thing. So I didn't tell anyone, um, and but they're just there's really came down to just not having a clue that it could affect me. I thought, you know, I'm a cop, I'm a big guy. How can I be a victim because, you know, we're two guys and yeah. there's not that sort of... Um, and was this was this one, like, was this one of your first, uh, like, I don't know, full-on relate, like, full 
on gay relationships with someone? Like, was this the longest term relationship? Yeah, was, I'm trying yeah, to say. It was, yeah, it was the longest. So that so maybe you were thinking, fuck, is this sort of half normal? Like, maybe I don't know. Well, like, that's we, another thing. Like, you grow up and you don't have any. For my age, thankfully, that's changed for young people now. Um, but when I was growing up, there was no good. Uh, gay role models. That's like, what I mean. So you probably didn't know. You probably thought, "Oh, this is what it's like." This, yeah, this is what it's like. Like when I was growing up, it was the likes of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and <laughs> I mean, they're not the greatest great, relationship great mo- models. Great movie, though. <laughs> Fuck, I haven't seen that. Are we, so, are we talking um, predominantly? Because uh, the misconception is that domestic violence is physical violence, yep. but obviously, you talk about getting pushed over that time. But you're also talking about controlling behaviours. Monitoring your behaviours, yep. rocking up unannounced. You know what's that? It's in, called in, 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 well. yeah, control. What's it called? Coercive control. Coercive, yeah, there's so there's coercive control. There's like emotional abuse, financial abuse. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's all of these different ones. But I guess uh, I st- I still remember this to this day. There was one day we we're walking home and it'd gone off because where we'd been dropped off in a cab. Um, it was sort of there was two ways home. And I said, oh, no, we'll go this way, it's quicker. He's like, no, this way is quicker. I'm like, right, we'll go this way. And um, so anyway, me just having a joke and mucking around, started counting steps, being an idiot, and next minute just lost it, turned around, giving me this big shove in the chest and started blowing up. And I still remember that time, I'm just like, you know, I actually just wanted him to punch me in the face so that I had this sort of clear indicator that it was DV. Um, because prior to that it was just everything else was sort of um, – like wasn't wasn't that clear, and it was always it was always blamed on something else. It was always like, sorry, I was drunk, I was drunk yeah, or yeah. you know, sorry, it's because I had a tough upbringing, and this is what happens, or I've got had a mental shit health issues, yeah. or I'm stressed because of work, and there was always a reason for his behaviour, and there was these apologies the next day, and it, you know they say in domestic violence that there's a cycle of abuse where it's sort of the honeymoon period where things are all fine and dandy and great, and then there's this build up where things aren't great, and there's the blow up, and then. Um, after that's the apologies and that sort of thing. Like, and when we'd have these sort of things where it'd blow up, and then the next day it would be, you know, I'm sorry, I love you so much, and you know, I want to marry you. And like, we went and got a bloody tattoo of my name on his chest. He bought commitment rings, like all this sort of stuff. And you're like, wow, if he's doing this sort of thing, he must really love me. And he'd go to the effort of, I'm going to see a psychologist, I'm going to do this, I'm going to change. And you'll think, oh, you know, I'll give him one more chance to see how he goes. To change. But yeah. there's so many one chances that it just keeps that's, going. That's fucking confusing, eh? That must have been very confusing. Yeah. Just totally. trying to wrap your head around. Because that, yeah. that's an emotional roller coaster. Oh, yeah. And how when your heart's in the game as well. Like how how long are you together for? Two years, or just over two years, mm. unfortunately. Should have been about a month. Yeah, yeah but, but, I mean, you don't, but you, you don't, don't know, know that. You don't <laughs> no. know. And especially at the time, like when I look back at it now, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like literally yesterday, just by chance, I had to... I was looking for a USB at home and I dug one. Oh, of fuck. Yeah, isn't that a pain in the ass <laughs> trying to find them fucking things these days? When, I, when you're at school, they're everywhere. Now, yeah. they're just nowhere. Anyway, continue. But, uh, but Sorry. Separate <laughs> podcasts. We'll do one on USBs. <laughs> I, d- I dug one out of a drawer and um, put it in the computer and it's one that I hadn't used in six years, it would seem, or five years. And on that USB, it was this list of all of this horrible shit that he'd been doing. Um, which I'd been storing remotely Keeping. on a USB, so yeah, right. it wasn't on my computer if we got into it. Like what, you'd been making notes? Yeah, I'd been sort of saying, like made a bit of a timeline of what had happened and that sort of thing just to try and, I don't know, check myself, I guess, to yeah, yeah. remind myself so, that, you know, it didn't get sort of six months down the track and I was like, oh, it's all fine and dandy. So it was just a bit of a reminder of what had happened and when in case it did. So I knew something was going on, but I just didn't know to what extent. And 
But just looking at it, I'm like, why didn't I pick up on that or why didn't I do it? But I think you just that manipulated and controlled that they've just got the upper hand and can just bloody use the puppet strings on you. Yeah, also yeah. It, it seems to be a common thing that whenever you're in any kind of situation, whether it's domestic violence or otherwise, that when you're in it, you, you're – your balls deep in it. You can't. Mm. You can't. You, your perception's clouded, right? There's emotions at stake. It's not until yeah. you actually f- remove yourself from that situation and look back from the outside, looking in, that you can really understand where get you're a perception at, right? of what actually was going on. Yeah, um, and that's the difficult thing. Hindsight, isn't it? Fucking hindsight. Um, mm. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I said to Ed like because we had a conversation about this on uh, the other night. Yeah, I was he said that Joe um, Mason. Yeah, when you were coming in, he said any. Uh, told me a story and my first sort of reaction was okay so like there's heaps of domestic violence obviously in the in the media currently there's some obviously horrible horrible things that you know we're seeing you know perpetrators commit i mean it's commonly heterosexual relationships and Mm. male perpetrators against a female victim um and i think the statistics i don't um, don't quote me but obviously the statistics where women are overrepresented as as victims and, you know, obviously, you know, you never take away from the fact that there's a massive problem with the way that men treat women. But you don't hear much from the side that you're coming from. You just yeah. don't hear it. But you're still dealing with men, male perpetrators, who seem to have a lack of emotional control. Yeah, but, that I mean, you've also got lesbians in same-sex relationships absolutely. and then queer, non-binary, that sort of thing. And when you look at the stats that have come out recently, it's actually, strangely, um, the most recent ones is the Private Lives 3 survey from uh, Latrobe Uni. Um, gay guys in same-sex relationships have actually got the lowest rate out of the LGBTQI. Um, got gay happening. guys and insane. Sorry. insane. So two gay guys have got the lowest rate. Of okay. DV oh, out of the group of lesbian, gay, bi, oh, trans. Oh, really? Yeah, righto. That's interesting. So the highest sort of rate this, uh, for trans men and women and queer. So they've got quite high rates and it goes um, lesbian and gay after that. So it's one of those things. It's just, again, education, that awareness that anyone can perpetrate it, anyone can be a victim of it. Mm. And the sooner we can recognise it can affect anyone, mm. um, the sooner we can work towards like ending it all because at the moment it's so... Uh, gendered and funded on gender that it just doesn't work for LGBTQ communities and that sort of invisibility stops them from getting that support and from identifying it early. Yeah, it's better to say, it probably, it probably it. creates a divide where it's sort of like, oh, like you were saying, I, cu- I, I can't be a victim, can I? Like I'm, yeah. a, I'm a bloke. In a gay relationship, like that's not what domestic violence and is. And a police and a police officer. That's the, fucking, like, that's the like, thing that kicked that would yeah, yeah, that's one of the kickers. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, I mean they and these are the conversations that yeah, we want to keep so, having. So what like with um you know, with the um foundation, what like what I know it's only new. It's only you know, you're only sort of uh December last year. And obviously, there's a massive need to continue these conversations. And oh, how hard is it setting up a charity, by the yeah, way? It's hard. <laughs> we were, we were <laughs> talking about that off air. Fucking hell! <laughs> if anyone out there wants to start a charity, but as a um, race yourself, race yourself. <laughs> it, like, is there much? Is there much talk? Yeah, there is. There anyone else kind of doing similar things to like what you're trying? You know, what you've just got off the ground. No. And there's no. never <laughs> enough. Like, there can never be enough done in these kinds of spaces. Uh, but yeah. So uh, Victoria's really lucky. They've got a bunch of funding uh, just recently to combat domestic violence in LGBTQ communities. 
Um, but it's really there's sort of one organisation driving it in each state. So Victoria's got um, Rainbow Door down there um, and another one which I can't think of right now. Um, Sydney's got one, um, Acon and Say It Out Loud, they run there. Queensland's got sort of... But it's just these sort of one organisation in each place and they've really got a few people in each organisation driving it. Uh, so no, there's... But when it comes to just raising awareness, it's really... Um, on a national level, because everything's so state-based, so we're probably the only one that's doing it at a national level. Mm. And we're not providing support or anything to people. We're just sort of saying, you know, to people, it can affect you and your relationships. We're saying to friends and families and work colleagues, it can affect your friends and families. This is what you can do to help recognise it, what you can do to respond to it, um, where you can refer people to. Um, we're talking to um, workplaces and schools and things, saying, you know, these are the sort of things you can do in your um businesses or schools or whatever to help support people in your organisation. So um, it's really just about raising that awareness of what people can do uh, themselves, what they can do in their workplaces. And luckily enough, it's actually started to pick up overseas as well. So now we're seeing just recently in the last few months, we're seeing it get picked up in um, the likes of Ireland, uh, Ireland, England, Wales, US, Canada. Because Ireland has a gay prime minister, right? Is that Ireland? Has a gay uh, prime Canada. No, no, that's Trudeau. Canada. It's Ireland. Yeah, I think it is. It's Ireland, Ireland the openly gay prime minister. Isn't isn't Trudeau? Is he? No, he's straight. Is he? He's an ally. Is he? that. What did he do? I thought he was. An, yeah, he's an ally. Or something. Yeah. He's, I know he's been. Yeah, yeah but no, it's it's definitely Ireland, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm fucking. That's a fact. We'll run with that. Definitely. They're, 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 yes, you heard it here first. Definitely, because that was a huge thing. Because they're like um, Catholics and Protestants over there. Mm. And uh, yeah, as a, a gay gay prime minister, it was a massive thing. It's awesome. Mm. Um, I think Wales. The, I'm pretty sure it's Wales has recently got the the first queer mayor in history to be elected in Wales. Yeah, but right. that's internationally. So yeah, first, okay. First queer person in the world to be elected as a mayor. Um, you go. must know better than anyone as a police officer that you have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. Yep. When yeah. Oh when, yeah. When you take someone on face value, then you meet them in the street or workplace or mates or whatever. Yeah, us right now. That's <laughs> us right now. This is this is one this is one side. This is one side. And yeah. then you have no idea how that person behaves as soon as they lock their door at night. Yep. And the shit that happens is fucking worrying, very mm. scary. And you must see it firsthand. Not just the domestic violence side of things. And how do you deal with all of that? Like how do you deal with it? No. <laughs> I had to say fuck. We got we got one of the psychs come down to have a chat here. Um, don't know. There's some good support services and stuff in place at work, but I don't know. You get uh, unfortunately you get used to it. It happens yeah. that much. Do you, you see? Sort of, it's very you. You don't look into it personally. It's very much a, this is a job here to do a work. job, and this is what I'm doing. You've got know? to really dehumanise it, don't you? Yeah, have totally. you encountered? I bet you never thought. <laughs> From where you were at, went, no, no. From where you were at, going through school, hiding, uh, you know, the, you know, I suppose hiding away, staying in the closet. Yeah. Oh, but you could never have imagined being at that point to heading up an LGBTQ domestic violence awareness foundation. Like, oh, that's God, pretty no. cool. Even like six years ago, I would have said yeah. that that was a ridiculous idea. Probably even two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, it's a credit to you. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, fuck. It's, if, yeah, it, it, you've come a long way in regards to yeah. Fuck, when you were a seventeen-year-old kid at boarding school, to what you're doing now, it's in, it's incredible, and Jeez. the journey you've been on to to yeah, be putting yourself out there and helping make a change in this area. Because, like you said, there's these minorities. We're not talking about 
that not just the struggles it it is for you people to get I can open and out in the in the community and, and be a part and accepted, but also the shit that goes on with like, like domestic violence and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, yeah, fuck. It's well, it's it's hard to imagine that we're not more. What's the word? Supportive or open and understanding about progressive. Yeah, progressive. I mean, but that's un- one of the things with the awareness. We're hoping that once people do realise it can affect anyone and what they can do, that hopefully that might change things a bit. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully this podcast changes a little bit too. What, um, are there many, do you work with many other openly gay uh, police officers? Yeah, Valley seems to attract a few of us. So there's probably 10 all up, all yeah. gay and lesbians in Valley. That's a very rough guesstimate, but <laughs> somewhere thereabouts. Yep, yep. And yeah. Obviously, um, yeah, obviously the police force is probably a bit of an institution that hasn't, you know, necessarily... Oh, I mean, I wouldn't have a clue, but, you know, I would imagine. I think, always I think they are pretty progressive, aren't they, the cops? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, I mean, we say generally that uh, the police force is pretty representative of the community at large. So uh, they say 11, 11% of the community is LGBTIQ. Um, so Fuck, 11%. Yeah. Yeah, we did say one in three before. But, yeah, 11%. Oh, so le- one, that one, one in three, three that no of. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, 11%. Fuck, you wouldn't think that was the statistic. Yeah, but, I mean, when you look at some other stats that have come out recently, I think it was Diversity Council of Australia, um, there's only 43, I'm very roughly going off the top of my head there, percent of people are actually out at work. So you've got a huge amount of people that aren't out at work at all. Yep. And how many people do you reckon uh, are, are still locking it away? Lots. Percentage-wise? <laughs> at least half. Least well, that's, what that, that's pretty much what the stats are saying in the workplace. Probably around about half yeah. aren't out to everyone in the workplace. They might be out to one or two, but generally they keep it hidden just because of that fear of how they'll be treated, whether it will affect their ability to get promoted. Um, it, must be a fuck, it must be such a hard life doing that. Bottling that up. Well, it definitely pretending. it definitely has been for a long time. Like with yeah, no, but that's what I mean. Like yeah. for people to, to think that to wear that like to wear it for so long and just be like fuck that must be so hard and so drawing on you mentally as a person to fucking hold on to that. Yeah, there's some that's out of that study that they did through Diversity Council. Um, it's quite interesting where it says you know this percentage of people isn't out. And the ones that aren't out are something like forty percent less productive at work. So, <laughs> it's in businesses' best interest to have their staff bring their whole selves to work, so to speak, and yeah. um, not try and hide anything because they're so much more productive if they actually are um, feeling safe and accepted there. Absolutely. I, yeah. to- I was talking. I can't remember who I was talking to recently. But we were talking about, um, you know, for example, the AFL. Like, there's no, there's not one openly gay yeah. AFL player. But they've got the pride round. I was only going to say oh, that before. Yeah. So AFL's got the pride round. But I was thinking about because I'm a massive NRL supporter and there's – well, uh, Ian Roberts is the only guy that's ever come out gay as a rugby league player. And, yeah. Fucking one. Seen what he, seen, seen what he went through as well in, in his yeah. time playing. He got absolutely fucking bashed up for it during his time playing. Yeah, but I mean – yeah, but there's just been one. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like it, – it is – it's crazy. And it's – yeah. And it's hard to – yeah, hard to fathom that that's not accepted either. And I'm sure there's blokes playing – and we're playing NRL this weekend that are, totally. are gay or in the LGBTQ community and aren't talking about it. Like you were saying before, the, and the amount of tradespeople, heterosexual tradespeople that are in um, these, hooking up these gay areas in Brisbane. Yeah. Right? Well, what did you call it? You said uh, beats. Beats. Call, yeah. Point being, there's definitely a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, um, what do you call them, closeted or, yeah, you totally. know, heterosexual people who are, yeah, going and engaging 
getting their fix, you know. And it was and the FIFO community too. There's a lot of men, married men in the FIFO community doing it as well. Apparently. So when you were asking like what needs to happen or like what needs to change, like still like socially, like it's, I think it's socially. I always talk about this every time we go talking somewhere now. It's the social shift, right, that needs to happen. Same with the mental health space. Same with LGBTQ. Yeah, but they're all con- they're all so connected. Oh, they're all connected, but it's like, like a big web. It's like you get this bit going, and then it's going to tick that box, and it's going to tick that but box. The only thing that can change, like socially, and this is why I said when you, you're like, "Well, what can you do?" I'm like, "Go to a gay bar." You know what I mean? Go and have a couple beers at a gay bar. Like, go and meet. Go and talk to people. Make your own stories that you can then pass off to your own, you know, communities, your own yeah, networks, and be absolutely. like, "Fuck," you know what I mean? Because that's how you just start to normalize. All of it. All Immerse of it, yeah. yourself in it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go down to Mardi Gras. Fuck, I've had some good times at Mardi Gras. <laughs> I remember <laughs> my best fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck. My mate, Al Watkins, got s- smoked in the face with a stiletto in grade 10. What? Smacked over the head with it? Smacked over the head oh, with a stiletto. Fuck, that would have hurt. By a drag queen. Um, what did he say something? Someone said something. And I don't even think it was our group, but he <laughs> copped the heel for it. And we went. he went to school the yeah, next week. Fucking eye. He'd be blind. He had a black eye. And everyone at school, all the teachers, all that, like it went, I went all boys school, 1,400 students, I think it was, all the staff, everyone. It, it just went through every single person in the school <laughs> within like a couple of hours. A microsecond. That big Al Watkins with the black eye got smacked in the face with a stiletto at Mardi Gras. So anyway. <laughs> Hope he's recovered well from that Good incident. Good story to tell. Benno, mate, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. Really appreciate it. I mean, yeah, it's a it's an intriguing story. It's a great one. I'm glad. I'm so glad you're able to come on and share it with us today. Um, and good luck on Friday because it's your big day. It is, yeah. So LGBTQ Domestic Violence Awareness Day is on Friday. So we're seeing um, bridges and buildings getting lit up all around the world, um, around Australia and across the world. So we've got. Ireland. And this is all you're doing. Yep. Fuck, mate. Well done. Wait, kept me busy. Hang on. Well, I don't know about this. I, we haven't covered this on the podcast. Can't we, we just should. talked about his foundation these no, big no, days no, on Friday. No, no, yeah, yeah. But what, so tell us, how have you organised this? Uh, a lot of work. <laughs> so you got... Lots of emails, lots of uh, calling in. So, um, Hey, mate, do you run the lights at the story, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So what's actually Literally. happening? Um, so Brizzy here, we've got the Story Bridge, Parliament House, City Hall, all being lit up rainbow colours um, to just sort of shine that light on the issue and say, this is why we're lighting up. We're here to support LGBTQ victims and survivors and remember those that have actually lost their lives. Mm. Um, I mean, I look at um, where I work in the Valley, the last two homicides in our division have both been domestic violence, same-sex domestic violence or LGBTQ domestic violence incidents. Um, oh. There was only one just last week or two weeks ago in Sydney. So it's... Happening, um, but it's just not being recognised or spoken about. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, wow. The bridges and buildings being lit up all across the world, um, which is really good. And then we're just getting um, organisations and individuals on board, sort of making a pledge to be part of that uh, change in the conversation and to make sure that they include LGBTQ people when they're talking about domestic violence and making sure that there's sort of the appropriate support available. For that, so, and just so that I'm clear, you have orchestrated this thing that's happening around the world. You've done it. Yep. With the assistance of a lovely little board. There's six of us on a volunteer board. 
And so, Even, what other places around the world? Like, tell me what other um, like things are getting lit up. Like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is. So, it's fucking. I oh know. That's why I mentioned it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> I can't believe it only come up at the end though. Um, so we've got one of the national monuments getting lit up in Canberra. Um, one of the bridges. I can't remember the name of it in mm. Perth. Another one in Victoria. Uh, overseas, we've got a building in Florida. We've got the Dublin. Uh, sorry, the Irish. Garda Police, so the Irish Police Headquarters mm. is being lit up. Um, the Dublin Mayor's lighting one of their buildings up. And there's a couple of others, but I can't remember them right now. But there's events being held sort of in London, um, Wales, like the Wales government's um, getting behind it. Same with a couple of departments from the um, English government. So the sort of it's being picked up in little places. Amsterdam, they, uh, they had their little pins on at the Eurovision contest the other day. That was pretty cool. Oh, so, really? Uh, yeah. So they had these little uh, Awareness Day pins and they were wearing them there. Mate, fuck, that's so huge. it's getting picked up in little places, so hopefully it's just going to keep Well, that'll be your full-time gig before you know it. It's May um, and you established this foundation in December last year. Yep. Yeah, so last year we had the Awareness Day last year, so yeah. last year it was just um, basically May. Is that when you are on the project? Uh, I can't remember when I was on the project. No, that was beginning this year. Right. I think. Because that's what Charlie Fisher sent me. He's like, you've got to get this guy on your podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. That's awesome. That's so cool. And uh, just the starting, is this the first time this has happened? Or is this second. second? So second. Last, last year we had a small grant from Queensland Government, so it was really Queensland-focused last year. Mm. Um, but since it's something that people haven't been talking about, it was getting picked up in a lot of the other areas around Australia. Uh, but this year we've had some national funding, so that's still not a huge amount, but we've still it's been able to expand sort of outside of Queensland and then just organically it's been picked up overseas and then I've used every other favour and contact that I've got overseas from my travels to try and get it. To hustle it through. Well. Yeah. That's so cool. And are these pins you, uh, from your foundation? They are. I've got a couple for you. Oh, yes. Fucking legend. We'll have to get a photo that we'll post on Friday as well. Absolutely. Mate, that's so 100%. cool. So impressive. You'll have to um, You'll have to get, you know, we'll have to hook you up with Shrinner. Get you in front of bloody... Yeah, you've been in front of the big Shrin dog. <laughs> Shrin dog billionaire. And he's got a trademark shirt. He, he fucking does. loves it. He'd want to be wearing it. He'd be wearing it right now, having a couple of Putting stub up some axles. retaining walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing some core filling. Um, and uh, now, Ben, if uh, anyone wants to find out a bit more about what you guys are doing, where can they head to? Uh, so they can go to dvafoundation.org is where it's all happening. So there's information on there if people want support, if they want to know how to support their friends or family, uh, if they want to know, uh, you know, what their organisation can do. All that info's there. There's also info about what they can do to get involved on Friday uh, for the Awareness Day. There's campaign toolkit as well as social media posts and lots of the stuff that they can get in on. Mate, and incredible. And for anyone listening who wants to reach out for any kind of professional support, be it for domestic violence, LGBTIQ or otherwise, uh, TX.org is there for you. And, of course, text or call 0488 because we've got some kick-ass psychologists upstairs that are great for a yarn. Yeah, so, uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming. Really in. appreciate it, mate. mate. My pleasure. Thanks for having great. me. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed it. That was good. Yeah, it was very relaxing. It was a good, uh, First it was a good podcast chat. I've been able to have beer, so that's a bonus. Mate, any time. <laughs> but we'll, get, we'll go down to the Wickham for a couple. Do they do hot buffalo wings at the Wickham? Fuck it. They need, they need buffalo wings. Uh, I've never had buffalo wings. Of, no, I don't, I don't think I've, I don't actually don't think I've ever eaten at the Wickham. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to go. Yeah, bloody oath. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Really appreciate your time and good luck Friday. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Thanks, mate. Oh, that was good. If I stop, I'll die. <laughs>